this is Two Vets Upstate. We want to say thank you to those who have already given us a rating or review on iTunes or their favorite podcasting app. We are proud to have a five-star rating for this show. We'll keep putting out the best content we can and hope you'll continue to engage with us both on social media and on our website and help us make this thing even better. And of course, continue to leave us those ratings and reviews. Andrea. And happy Hanukkah, everyone. Tonight is the first of eight nights of Hanukkah, um, the Jewish Festival of Lights, which is a celebration of um, perseverance. Uh, it's, a, it's a holiday about miracles, about a small and mighty resistance overthrowing a tyrannical oppressor. There are a lot of layers. There, are, Honestly, there are a lot of layers in the message. Um, I... I was either deployed or just like away from home almost all of my Hanukkahs when I was serving. And so I have what my mom and I were referring to as a combat menorah, um, which I could not find before this recent uh, annual training trip. I'm away from home again, but I'll be home for the last two nights. Um, So to all those celebrating, uh, have a wonderful Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, Andrea. Thank you. Roger, what are you eating and or drinking? Uh, I'm finishing up the last of the Southern Tier Brewing Company's uh, Special Harvest Ale, Southern Tier, brewed and bottled in Lakewood, New York, which I guess is upstate, right? Sure. <laughs> How about you? Southern Southern Tier is like weird. <laughs> southern Tier is just the Southern Tier. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where to categorize them. Um, I am having a very heavy pour of a glass of rosé from not from Cal- not from New York, from Josh Winery in California. <laughs> we'll let that slide. <laughs> yeah. uh, Roger, what's new with you? <laughs> um, I just enjoying the beginning of the holiday season. Uh, had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, saw some houses in Syracuse, which was great. Um, and sort of a highlight, uh, after Thanksgiving, I finally, finally met, uh, Mackenzie Wolf in real life last week. Uh, she has been one of my favorite social media follows, obviously because of her service as a Marine linguist, uh, but also because she's smart, she's sharp, she's funny, and she makes me think a lot and stands for good stuff. In my opinion, um, she does great work on social media for the American Legion, uh, and we also sat down with our f- common friend, Brian Wagner. Uh, he works with Scout Comms uh, and generally uh, keeps me honest day to day. So early shout outs uh, to both of you for being such great human beings. Uh, we look forward to inviting Mackenzie and Brian on the show in the future. So, Andrea, how about you? What's new? Where are you? Where, where, <laughs> where am I, though? Um So I am in Miami, Florida. I am uh, currently outside the gate of the U.S. Southern Command, um, where I will be spending the next week teaching as the NATO representative to the U.S. Operational Gender Advisor course taking place this week. So um, I am like super nervous as I have never lectured this much. Um, And yeah, so it's going to be great. Um, but it's also like, where am I? Because in the last week, I was in Norfolk, Kinderhook, Washington, D.C., right. um, Amherst, Massachusetts, uh, Kinderhook again, 
it, it's it's been it's been crazy. Um, I went to and when I was in DC, I went to the Elizabeth Dole Foundation Hidden Heroes Gala. That's right. Got to see um, Nancy Pelosi speak and accept an award, and I hope to I aspire to being able to be gracious and throw shade at the same time with the mastery that she did. <laughs> Um, who else was there? Tom Hanks was there. Um, and Roger also, Roger and I did get to grab a beer in DC. That happened. I can verify that as a fact. It did happen. Um, Hill staffers are really young. They are so young. Oh my goodness. Um, really the functioning core of our legislative system right there you know what they they mean well and and uh i think a lot of them are are really great people so it it was nice they they were it was really exciting because they were just like nerding out on like this is how america works and like how legislation works and it was it was there was so much energy over like serving service it was awesome it is refreshing um and when did we become oh my god when we become those people um (laughs) So because I'm in Miami, uh, because my, my, my AT is in Miami, I waited until my ticket got ticketed by CTO and changed my flight and came out a day early and lay on the beach for two days and turned off the notifications on my work email and like nominally lurked on Twitter, but not very much enough to get like important news. And I read a novel Wow. I read a novel, people. I read, I read fiction. What um, is that? I know. I haven't read fiction in so long. Um, so the book that I read was called The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. Um, it is a story of the Trojan War as told from the perspective of Briseis, who was Achilles' war prize, um, which is a really fancy way of saying that she was – I mean, she was – it was – the women were essentially in a rape camp. Um, but I've read, so I, I've read a lot of classical, uh, uh, historical fiction. Um, I was a class, I minored in classics in college. I studied Latin and Greek all through high school. Cause I'm a huge nerd and really just love these adaptations. And, um, this was one of the better treatments. I felt that there are a number that are told from women's perspectives. This one I think was one of the best tellings because a lot of them try to create a love story around Achilles and Briseis. And like, there's absolutely no way for that to happen because there's no consent. Like she is enslaved. Um, and it create it has some very, very, good examinations of power and um what it means to have power and to exert that power over others what it means to be without power and the kinds of decisions that you make when you are someone who was without power um i thought it was really good and i read it in like one weekend on the beach so it's a very easy read but spectacularly written so very recommended that's fantastic. Do you want to know what I read this morning? Yes. I read the uh, Pout Pout Fish book to my daughter about 15 times. So <laughs> I too feel like I've indulged in some fiction that I uh, am a little guilty about, you know, so. That's awesome. I feel, I feel great. 
<laughs> Your book sounds fascinating, though, and uh, a really cool take on some uh, sounds like historical fiction. Yes. Um, so what's going on in New York? Well, we got to give a thanks to Joe Plensler uh, for flagging this one for us. Um, U.S. military officials say the remains of a Marine from New York killed during the Korean War have finally been identified. Um, the DOD POW MIA accounting agency said last week that Meredith Kern's remains were identified earlier this year. He's from Niagara, was from Niagara Falls, was a 24-year-old sergeant serving in the 1st Marine Division as a light machine gun section leader when he was reported killed during firing on November 30th, 1950 in North Korea. Uh, his remains were reportedly buried but couldn't be recovered after the war. Uh, in 2015, so just a few years ago, a South Korean citizen turned over the remains to U.S. forces. So welcome home to Sergeant Kern of Niagara Falls. And thanks again to Joe Plensler for tuning us into that piece of upstate New York news. It's always good to have someone home. Uh, Andrea, what's uh, what else is going on around the nation? So the biggest news... Um happened over the weekend. We lost um, the 41st president of the United States, George H.W. Bush, um, a U.S. Navy veteran, decorated combat pilot, naval aviator, um, also a student veteran. He went to Yale after his service um, and went on to live a life of public service. Um, and it's just been incredible that a lot of people just seeing that with, with the passing of President Bush and um, previously um, Senator McCain, it's really interesting to see these commentaries about we may not have agreed, but we at least agreed on the same values. And um, so I think that that has been what um, a lot of people have talked about is that um, he's someone where you understood that he believed in, this, in the shared values of uh, what this country stands for. Um, and so it's certainly a loss for this country. That's very well put. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting uh, President Bush twice in my life, uh, once at his presidential library and once um, in Washington, D.C., I think. And totally gracious uh, both times, always had a funny quip. And then later in my life, I actually served on the aircraft carrier named after him. So I... <laughs> lived and died on the USS George H.W. Bush through two deployments to the Middle East uh, to fight ISIS, OI, OEF, OI, whatever the friggin' acronyms are now. But um, OND. Yeah, 1,000 flight hours, 200 carrier arrested landings, and luckily the same number of <laughs> catapult launches. Uh, so it was special to, I think, serve on – that ship, especially because of who uh, President Bush was and I think what he stood for in a lot of cases. And just the story of his own service, I think there is a video going around, and if you know the story of his um, getting shot down in World War II, he was shot down in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and was actually rescued by a submarine, which if you can think about how crazy that is and how sort of the stars align and think about the pivot moments of history when a lot of things could have changed, you know, 
submarines are pretty notorious for being difficult to find and locate, but the future 41st president of the United States just happened to um, go into the water in his aircraft uh, around the spot that a submarine was, and they picked him up. Um, we'll have the video in the in the show notes, but uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, we uh, wish him fair winds and following seas. So uh, this is this is this was just a tough weekend. Um, so we're we're gonna go get into another tough talk topic really quick. It, it's the holiday season, which is a season for joy for some, but for others, it's a season of mixed emotions. Um, it can see the season sees a lot of um, veterans thinking of harming themselves, and this weekend. Um, we had the absolutely stunning and devastating news that we lost Vice Admiral Scott Sterney, who is the commander of uh, the U.S. Fifth Fleet NAVSENT. Um, he was found dead in his residence in Bahrain of what is a, an apparent suicide. Um, to all of our friends out there, we hope that you know that you are not alone. You are not a burden. Um, send me a message with emojis and gifts at 4 o'clock in the morning call me. I don't care. Like this, you're not alone. <laughs> Let the season be the one where you reach out, you reach out to us, to your friends, your families, to professionals. I have been very transparent on this show that, um, I felt that professionals, the VA was for someone else and that I was taking away care from someone who needed it more. Apparently everyone thinks that, and it's been very helpful to me. Um, to have that, um, you are worth it. Yep. Um, the story of service starts with caring for the people next to you, but um, that doesn't go away after service ends. Um, we're all here for one another, and if you're in pain, we hope you'll reach out. Um, there is a very virtuous community out there that cares about you and wants to help. That's right. That's well said, Andrea. Um, we want to pivot real quick to shout outs. Uh, first one for me uh, is to the Oswego Elks Lodge. They had, uh, at the end of October, stood up a new statue commemorating uh, what's pretty incredible, their 125th year of existence there in Oswego, New York, on the shore of Lake Ontario. Um, statue is on the corner of West Bridge and Fifth Street in Oswego, unfortunately uh, vandalized in the dead of night shortly after it went up. Um, to all of the folks at the Oswego Elks, especially to President Nelson Metz, we just want to say stay strong. We are with you. Um, and for folks who are listening, if you want to donate to the Oswego Elks to help them repair or replace their statue, uh, we'll have a contact for you in the show notes where you can reach out and uh, make a donation. Um, we'd also like to make a shout out to Natalie Gross. Um, who is asking if any post 9-11 veterans who had no dependents while on active duty are willing to talk about what a change in GI Bill transfer policies would mean to you. Please email her at ngross at militarytimes.com. Um, I've worked with Natalie on a number of, of pieces that she's done. She's fantastic to work with. Um, again, email her at ngross at militarytimes.com, and we'll put that in the show notes too. All right, We're, yeah, let's no. just get to what it is that we yeah. want to talk about, Andrea. The GI Bill right now. Yeah, buckle up, put your seatbelts on, put your harnesses on, kids. We're going to talk about something that we are not happy about right now, as we often do, but this one really hits close to home, I think. 
Okay, so where do we start? Yeah, um, yeah. Do you want me to? I, I've been on the hill the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you, at, you, at you some start. of these, you start. Yeah, at some of these committee hearings. So the the genesis of this is that the Forever GI Bill, which really became effective law in I think August first of this year, set about some changes in how. Veterans would be, and you can correct me if I misspeak here because I might, um, but it, it, it said about some changes in how veterans are to be uh, paid or their monthly housing stipend that they have earned um, on the basis of, of having the GI Bill, of having GI Bill benefits to go back to college. And there were some really common sense changes, we think, that came about there, which is that for um, some students who are attending one college, but they're living um, in a different place where that college has a campus. Um, if that current location for them is higher than the BAH for the actual school or where it would be, they get paid a higher monthly housing stipend, which makes sense. That and a number of other changes to uh, disbursement and to the tracking of, of these benefits led to, predictably, the failure of the IT system that VA was using to track this and, and, and pay veterans, which has led to, as we've tweeted about and talked about, some pretty notable failures um, in a lot of veterans who are still not paid after 30, 40, 60 days, uh, which is not good because these are folks that have to pay the bills, pay rent, pay a mortgage, feed their families. Um, so the last couple of weeks, um, the undersecretary for, of the Veterans Benefit Administration, uh, which sort of administers the GI Bill, has been on Capitol Hill to answer for this. Um, the first one, which was on November 15th, he was very, I mean, I was there. He was blatantly disrespectful to members of the committee, including the ranking member, who is Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who many people know, um, would not give the committee would not give Congress a timetable for when these problems would be fixed, which I think rightfully so shocked members on both sides of the aisle. And then, Andrea, I'll give the, the most recent news and, and then kick it over to you for, for some more comments. But so earlier this week, the just before a, another subcommittee hearing in front of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, um, some VA staff on a phone call with the House VA committee staff mentioned that for those veterans, for some of the veterans who are missing payments in a specific set of circumstances um, due to the failure of the VA's IT system, uh, the VA was not going to retroactively pay them the money that they had either been underpaid or not paid at all. And this just reverberated shock throughout the veterans community as just a total abdication of responsibility. And uh, it was a pretty remarkable scene, I think, in the committee hearing where Undersecretary Lawrence has really taken to task and at the end of it basically admitted that the VA had violated the law was or was not in compliance with the law and was shortchanging veterans and that it led to a total reversal by Secretary Wilkie who said, no, finally, after the reporting from NBC and Nikki Wentling and two congressional subcommittee hearings um, admitted that, okay, yes, we are going to make veterans whole in accordance with 
the law as it should be. That is just like, it just blows my mind that, you know, the, 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 there are a number of advocates in the vet, in the veteran advocacy space who have really been beating the drum for a long time that the, um, looking at what happens to veterans benefits is really a bellwether for what might happen, um, nationally, um, both for better or for worse. So if they could get away with it, if they could get away with taking away benefits from veterans that they have earned, who knows what else they could take away from, I hate to say ordinary Americans, but it was, it was supposed to be a, let's, let's see if we can get away with this. There are a lot of people who think yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and cause, because, because frankly, we've talked about this on the podcast before, I think there are a lot of Americans, um, a lot of very, um, of of special interest groups who really want the VA to fail because the success of a frankly socialized program, um, completely undermines their narrative. Right. Right. Um, and, um, you know, there, there are, it, it is a certainly, you know, the, it, it, the, the GI bill, the forever GI bill is expensive and, and it's paid for essentially by your service. Um, it's a relatively small population by proportion to the rest of the United States. Um, but it's just like, how is this hard? <laughs> well, I, like, yeah, I, 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 I echoed that sentiment this week in a, in an op-ed that I <laughs> angrily wrote in about 30 minutes and it's on Syracuse.com now. But, uh, look, I, I get it. I can sympathize a little bit in that. I think good governance is hard. It's a big country. It's been a long war that needs to end. So yeah, administering to 17 years worth of wartime veterans is hard, but Andrea, it's no excuse. It's no excuse. And this is the thing is like, you know what? It doesn't surprise me at, at all. And it doesn't even bother me, frankly, that the initial rollout of the forever GI bill did not go off without a hitch. It doesn't surprise me that it was, that there were some issues with it when it first rolled out. The problem that I have with it is that there were issues with it for months that were being reported on that no one seemed to give a shit about. Right. right. I, I, I think I, I think I'm I guess I'm cursing on this week's podcast. <laughs> that's all right. I think that's no, it's fine. Not, it's not every single podcast, guys. But it's some of them. Well, um, I mean, and can you imagine though? I mean, without the reporting of Nikki Wentling, who quite frankly has been a godsend on this issue, and without honestly good congressional oversight, which I think we can point to this week, the past two weeks, this problem would not have been fixed. Because Paul Lawrence, the undersecretary for the Benefit, Veterans Benefit Administration, sat in that in those subcommittee rooms and basically said, echoed what his staff had said on the phone that got leaked and said, it's too hard. We don't know the extent of the problem. There may be hardly any problem at all. So why fix a thing that only affects a few veterans? And of course, we know how ridiculous that is, because if it affects even one Frickin' veteran, your ass better be in that office with that staff finding out what that problem is, and you better fix it. And if you, and you know what, if you're not willing to fix it, 
And if you're not willing to go to bat like that and make that your attitude every day for veterans or, or quite frankly, any other cabinet position, then resign from office, leave office. That's a part of it. It's like, we're not going to do it because it's too hard. I'm like, I'm sorry. You were a captain in the United States Army. <laughs> like, I, I just, it just absolutely, like, I can't go in front of anybody I work for and say it's too hard. Right. And that's, right? you know what is it? That's what I've been, that's what I was thinking about today is this, you know, bad logic that we use is sometimes logic that we use and that the, you know, some sides of particular political aisles like to say, well, if person X did this in some particular political party, uh, I would be arrested or I'd be fired. You know, we saw that with Hillary's emails. We see that all over the place. Well, if you're going to go in front of essentially your boss, the American people through our representatives in Congress and say, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to fix this or it's too hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do, it. I don't think I should have to do it because it's too hard. You're fucking down. Uh, guess what? If I did that in my job or Andrew, you do that in your job, we would be fired immediately. So if that is the position of the veterans benefit administration, I know a ton of people who would be, would love to take on this challenge and solve this problem and who deserve the opportunity to work instead of enriching people who want to do things like blame the media, which Dr. Lawrence did right off the bat in both subcommittee hearings. He didn't say, didn't take responsibility first and say, you know, we made a mistake and we're working to fix it. And I own that. He went on to attack NBC news right out of the gate, which is really just essentially at this point, a dog whistle uh, to the rest of the misdeeds of this administration. But if you're not willing to fix it, step aside, resign, go work in the private sector. Okay. That's where you clearly want to be. Uh, well, I, I, I hope that, you know, our listeners, uh, hear our frustration, but, but recognize that there are good people in government. And I think there are a lot of good people in the veterans benefit administration who are frustrated with this, who are, tired of the confusion and the lack of accountability and communication uh, from leadership in VA and the Veterans Benefit Administration that is just pervasive and, and toxic. And, and, and there, there are a lot of people there who are busting their ass to fix this. And I'm sure who would do the work, put in the overtime if it were authorized. Right. Which is, as far as I know, last I saw that it's not even authorized right now. Yeah, it's just it's just out of control. Yeah, but it's a it is a good case study in people in this day and age. And by this day and age, I mean post November of 2016, are often want to blame the media for everything, blame Congress for everything. But you know what? A functioning media and a functioning Congress saved or is in the process of saving the monthly housing payments for veterans who have served. And for all the lip service that that gets paid by this administration, they are failing veterans, which I forget the particular congressman uh, on the subcommittee hearing this week who, who made that claim, who said, listen, if this isn't fixed, if you don't take action now, the Trump administration will have failed veterans. And 
I can't imagine that being put in any more stark terms. Let's stop using veterans as props. Let's stop using them as political wedge issues to rile up nationalist crowds. And let's just do the work and shut the hell up. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's the hoping it's getting, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Yeah. Brighter days are ahead. By the end of our tea. It's going to get better. All right. So what do we have? We, we have a lot of exciting 2VU stuff coming up. Our next two episodes are both like pretty awesome. And so should we talk yeah. about them? I yeah, think so. so. Why don't you start with the first one? Okay. So um, our next episode, we're really excited that we're going to have former Congressman Chris Gibson on the podcast. He was the he uh, what retired as a colonel out of the United States Army. Um, he then returned back to New York to serve as the congressman for the 20th and then the 19th after it was redistricted, um, imposed a self-imposed term limit um, and stepped down in 2016 and um, is now teaching at Williams College. And we're really excited to have him on the podcast in two weeks. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to asking him about the self-imposed term limit thing, too. I think that's fascinating. Uh, so on January 8th, we'll be doing a show at the New York State Health Foundation with our good friend Derek Coy. We'll record it like it's a podcast. The format will be a little different, and it will be nice after almost two dozen podcasts uh, episodes now to, uh, to sort of sit back and talk with Derek, talk about what we can do for veterans the unique challenges that we face in upstate New York and in rural and other underserviced areas of the country. Um, we have an audience for that one, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to have to, I mean, I, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt right now and like grandpa slippers. So I'm going to have to put some thought into my appearance, aren't I? Yeah. Will you, would you dress me? Is that weird? That, that might, that might be weird. Okay. Well, we'll we, we get t-shirts. We should get two vets upstate t-shirts or something. We don't have any swag. We don't. We do have a new logo, though. What do you think of that? We have a sick logo. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, maybe we'll work on getting some swag if if folks are down with that and also want to pay us money for it. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting ain't cheap, folks. You know what? But uh, we're you know we're we're happy to do it and, and yeah. glad that we. Roger have. does do all the emotional labor on this podcast, though I will say. <laughs> yeah, like the uh, you know the spinsters from uh, the Disney movie Hercules with the little uh, scissors. Yeah, that's me with this podcast, uh, pretty much. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, that reference isn't lost on most of you. I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that's all we've got this week on Two Vets Upstate. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. It's cathartic for us, especially this week. Andrea, till next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Just